Welcome everyone to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. I'm Mariah Muhammad, she, her pronouns, a writer and moderator for Becker's Healthcare. And I am absolutely thrilled to have with me today, Dr. Young Bay, Medical Director at the Spine Institution Center for Spinal Restoration. Dr. Bay, it's so nice to talk with you today. How are you? Very good. Wonderful. Well, to begin, would you mind please introducing yourself and then telling us a bit about your background? Sure. Uh, my name is Hyun Bay. I practice in Los Angeles, uh, and I'm actually co-director of education and fellowship here at Cedar sinai Spine Center. We believe that we're one of the top spine centers in the country, uh, as well as I have a private practice called the Spine Institute Center for Spinal Restoration in Santa Monica. Um, and I've been involved in research for, gosh, over 20 years, um, involved with uh, creating new devices for spine, um, also very involved in the cellular and biologics world, and have been teaching fellows for the last 20 years as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that background. Well, to begin with the real questions of the interview, the first thing I wanted to ask you, doctor, is what are the big headwinds you're planning for this year? Really interesting question. Um, I think one of the major shifts is, is that uh, even though I'm, I'm at Cedars, it's, I'm officially called a private practice physician. I'm not employed by Cedars. Um, and it's very interesting, I think, what's happening to the, you know, the private world where uh, spine surgeons, in, at least in our market, you know, what's happening in their world, it's, it's kind of changing a little bit. I think for me, I've joined a, a group of spine physicians recently. It's called Commons Clinic. Um, and it's really trying to leverage uh, very busy spine surgeons, getting them together in a private practice type of environment, and hopefully being able to compete uh, in the uh, ambulatory care center. You know, obviously everybody's talking about spine surgery, uh, moving to the ambulatory center. We certainly have gotten a lot better with minimally invasive surgery. Uh, but the idea is, is not only to compete on the, I would say, standard surgical fees per se, uh, but really trying to bring management of bundled care into the ambulatory care center. So not just managing, let's say, the surgical event, but really managing the pre-surgery and post-surgical event to see if we can manage it and bring quality to the patient. And then obviously, you know, have some cost savings that we can all share. Um, I think that's a very interesting model is kind of trying to bring bundled care into the ambulatory center instead of, you know, what we've typically been hearing with bundled care with CMS into the hospital. It's really bringing that to more of a private payer based, but bringing it into the ambulatory care center just to, you know, help with cost savings. Uh, that's a truly interesting venture that uh, I'm starting right now. And I think uh, that um, is basically one of the big headwinds as far as the practice. Um, obviously, in LA, we're seeing a lot of movement with private equity. Um, this is a little bit different, um, and I think uh, I'm looking forward to spearheading that and seeing what, seeing really how we can move the needle in that regard, both for patient care, but uh, both for trying to increase some um, leverage and community amongst private practitioners that uh, are involved in spine surgery. Um, other than that, if you ask me, you know, what I think as far as technique. Uh, or procedure-based, um, I do think uh, a couple things have really moved and will move in the next couple years. 
One is more kind of endoscopic or arthroscopic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this type of more minimally invasive surgery, I think the term minimally invasive surgery is, is kind of overdone now. We've used it a lot. It's very unclear. The patient doesn't really know what it is. And I think uh, endoscopic surgery definitely helps because the word endoscopic defines the procedure itself. And it, it, there's no, I don't know, misconception. It's not like, you know, MIS surgery can be anything from deformity to a one level T lift to a micro decompression to an ACDF to an anterior cervical disc replacement. Um, and at least when you say, I'm going to do an endoscopic decompression or endoscopic discectomy, it's very descriptive. And it conveys the, 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 the message that, hey, this will be something that you will be able to tolerate that is actually minimally invasive. So um, I see that in my practice. You know, we've started some, um, I'm going to say more kind of arthroscopic assisted. That's our term for use because um, it's bi-portal. We use two portals. And, and I think that that's very interesting. Um, other than that, I still think that motion preservation now that I've been doing motion preservation, both lumbar arthroplasty and cervical arthroplasty for more than 20 years, and I've, I've been so underwhelmed with the amount of progress uh, and where we are with this technology today. But I do see in the last five years, at least, this is truly evolving, that we certainly are seeing a big uptick of cervical arthro arthroplasty. I think that that's great. And I think that's probably with the data release of the longer term studies. Um, and I think, you know, that's kind of carried along lumbar arthroplasty, where I do see uh, more surgeons uh, around the community starting doing lumbar disc replacements. Um, I think lumbar disc replacements have a huge impact uh, to the patient just as much, if not more, than cervical arthroplasty. Um, and certainly, I think it's more geographically based. Uh, but at least in our ge geography, we're seeing a lot more of that. And I think hopefully that's, you know, spreading around the country. Yeah, absolutely. All those things definitely sound so interesting and sounds like it's a win-win for everyone, hopefully. Um, for you, doctor, how will the spine and orthopedic field evolve in the next two to three years, would you think? I, so as far as you know, bigger surgeries. I think, you know, we're expanding both bigger and smaller, okay? So I think for the bigger surgeries, when we talk about um, surgeries that involve uh, multi-level fixation, deformity correction, deformity surgery, uh, I do think that that is becoming uh, more prescriptive. Um, we have a lot of tools, and I think we'll see a lot more tools that will help bring more reliability and reproducibility to that surgery, including robotics, um, you know, some type of artificial intelligence, which I think is more related to surgical planning and what you're going to achieve. Uh, I think in the future, probably in the near future, um, a lot of this is going to be planned with the help of AI and you won't even have to bend the rod. The robot will put the screws in and bend the rod for you. Um, I think that is what's going to happen to larger surgeries. Now, you know, still it, 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 uh, it allows for reproducibility in the surgical procedure part. Um, but, you know, I, I still think there's a lot of innovation uh, that needs to come about of, of, you know, is there an alternative to this type of surgery? You know, and not just, I would say, you know, not just, hey, can we decrease levels? Can we change the flexibility of the rod? Can we, you know, 
do something with, you know, the amount of fixation, I think it's really hopefully looking back with more data to see, you know, how do we get here? Like, why do we get here? You know, and hopefully with the index procedures, you know, we can change the index procedures to hopefully avoid uh, having to do longer term constructs. Now, I think that's probably more of a five to 10 year uh, project. Um, but, you know, after being here for 23 years, I'm still surprised that, you know, we seem still to be chasing ourselves with fusion, you know, that one level to two levels to four levels to T10 of the pelvis. And, and it makes me believe that if we're still chasing ourselves, it, it's not about, you know, how to do the fusion better or, re, you know, or causing reproducibility in the fusion. It's really, you know, maybe it's the index operation or uh, the fact that we're fixating the spine, which is a non-physiologic procedure, and maybe we need to look at that differently to hopefully stop the progression. Also, if you ask me, you know, other things in the biologic arena, I do think that there's been a lot of progress. Um, there's three clinical trials that I know of right now that are looking at uh, disc injections. And when I talk about clinical trials, I'm really talking about phase three FDA clinical trials that are going to be randomized against some type of um, placebo arm, um, one, two being stem cells, one being a molecule that will be injected to for, uh, into the disc for disc degeneration and low back pain. And I'm eagerly waiting those results, but I think in five years, or maybe even a little bit longer, that we actually may have an FDA-approved product with the indication that says the treatment of low back pain for degenerative disc disease. And I think, you know, that would be definitely a paradigm shift. Um, there's also a recent approval uh, for a drug that's very similar to chymopapain, uh, which is a drug that, you know, maybe, you know, the younger surgeons have not heard about, but, you know, it's kind of the molecule from a papaya abst uh, extract that digests collagen, that has the ability to digest collagen. And it was used a long time ago for the treatment of herniated discs, for contained herniated disc. And I just found out that there's been a recent approval that the FDA has actually had an approval uh, for this medication to treat contained disc herniations for radiculopathy. And so I'm interested to see how that rolls out in the next two or three years. Um, I think, uh, that probably uh, gets into your next question. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all for that. Uh, the last question, doctor, that I wanted to ask you is where do you see the best opportunities for growth? So I still think making, you know, the harder and bigger surgeries more reliable, there's a lot of growth there because there's obviously a lot of invested dollars there. So, you know, where there's, you know, investment, you know, you have to get a return. And so I do think that, you know, fixating the spine, doing long fusion certainly is an expensive process. And therefore, there'll be a lot of investment into that field. So it will be robotics, AI, augmented reality. Um, I do think that that's still um, going to be a major and progression over the next couple of years. And definitely a lot of people are, are already experimenting and playing in that field. Um, but I also think on the minimally invasive side, the smaller side, which, you know, sometimes gets neglected um, because, you know, it's smaller. 
right? And sometimes it doesn't require hardware. So I still think that endoscopic or arthroscopic or arthroscopic assisted, that these types of surgeries in the U.S. Um, has a tremendous amount of growth opportunity. And I see it now. If you, if you, if, um, if you follow like kind of the endoscopic session at uh, Society of Minimally Invasive Spine Surgery, ESMIS, and if you looked at over the past years, I would say five years ago, if you went through an arthroscopic or endoscopic spine uh, session, there's probably two or three people in the room. You couldn't even get faculty, okay? But last year at ESMIS, the endoscopic spine session, the room was packed, you know, packed. And, you know, you have tons of faculty to choose from. And so I do think that that is going to obviously start growing here in the US. What's fascinating is I just traveled to Korea about four months ago, okay? And, um, you know, they started with endoscopic spine surgery quite early on. Um, and in Korea, what's fascinating is, is that if you need a decompression or if you need a um, disc removed, if you have a herniated disc, you need a laminotomy discectomy or just a simple decompression, you are more likely to have that treated endoscopically than you are open. Okay. So uh, that has really happened over the last 10 to 15 years in, in Korea. And I think, you know, other countries have adopted endoscopic surgery. And I think, you know, the U.S., if we are, you know, the spine leaders that, you know, we will also start adopting that as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and thank you so much for those final thoughts, doctor. This has been an amazing, amazing discussion. So I want to thank you so much for coming on Packers Healthcare again. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Mariah.